Blog Talk Radio. Hi, you've reached the voicemail of Larry Dorman at Council 4. I'll be out of the office April 13th and 14th. Please leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I'll return the call when I get back. Thanks. To disconnect, press 1. If you still want to leave a message for this person, press 3, or simply stay on the line. The office number. No, that's the cell. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Yeah, hey Larry, it's uh, Leo and Lila. Something happened there where we got uh, we got your answering machine. Um, give us a call at six four six nine one five nine five zero five. Again, six four six nine one five nine five zero five. We're looking forward to your call. All right, so um, but let, let's go on to some other news tonight and see what we've got until Larry calls us back. Um, Got a couple of big things happening here in the world tonight. Um, one of the biggest ones, in fact, um, 
something that Larry sent over to me um, I thought was really kind of an interesting thing. Um, I can find it. Here it is. Uh, our report outlines uh, a solution to fix Connecticut. A new way forward for Connecticut. I thought that was kind of interesting. Because hmm. I didn't think there was really any way forward for Connecticut, you know. <laughs> Not with the stuff that's happening there recently. But, um, uh, hang on one second here. Delivery now. Um, And who is this report from? Uh, this is from Larry, but uh, I don't know who CCM, he is. CCM. CCM. It doesn't say where that's from. Just Oh, Serma? Oh, is that Serma? That's an uh, that's, uh, insurance company. Uh, I don't know. Larry sent it over to us. So, um, it's clear that uncertainty coming out of Washington, D.C. Uh, coupled with the state's financial problems as depicted in Governor Malloy's recent budget proposal, means local leaders can't rely on the same levels of financial assistance that have traditionally been available, nor can they simply turn to the property tax for help. Our property taxes are among the highest in the nation, and local taxpayers are already stretched way too thin. So what can be done? A lot actually, beginning with finding a new way forward. That's why the CCM released, uh, the report the CCM released in late January is so important. It is indeed different. It contains new ideas that if implemented will help free towns and cities from the varieties of state aid and the harsh burden of the regressive property tax. This report provides a roadmap for municipalities to have greater control over their own destinies, new decision-making authority, new sources of funding. Together, that would allow them to rely more on themselves and less on others. Uh, to review. Yeah, that's okay. Let's take a look and see. Oh, here it is. Okay, here we go. Let's see if we can come on here. Hey, Larry, are you with us? I am. Hi, guys. Hey. Uh, hi, Larry. Glad to see you. Hi, Lila. Hi, how you voice. Been? Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a crazy time. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry to hear all the stuff you're going through, man. But, uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. A couple of good like a things on the horizon. Ball. I don't know. Uh, the Malloy recall sounded interesting to me, you know. And uh, rather than have them uh, go another two years, but uh, uh, what, what have we got to replace this guy with? Yeah, boy, the uh, the bench the benches uh, are pretty thin. <coughs> we uh, were just looking into the uh, CCM uh, report there on um, a new way forward. A uh, new yes, way fo- yeah. forward. What do you think about that? Yeah. You sent that over. Um, well, I didn't send that over. Uh, I didn't send you the CCM report, did I? Uh, actually, you sent it on uh, Facebook today. Uh, oh, uh, right. Um, but I mean, they they get things partially right. Um, you know, we're not certainly not enemies with CCM, but they are increasingly um, getting co-opted by a lot of anti-labor uh, mayors and first electmen. I completely agree with the fact that Connecticut's property tax burden is um, 
high and yeah. it's disproportionate. Um, but, you know, the solutions differ. A lot of their solutions involve scaling back workers' rights and benefits, um, getting rid of vital public services. You know, and, and we believe this is, you know, don't waste a crisis. You know, we've had this conversation, uh, three of us, for years about Connecticut's um, not uh, being willing to tax uh, the ultra wealthy and to ask corporations uh, to close the big loopholes that benefit corporations like the one that benefits hedge fund managers and, you know, to stop the giveaways to big corporations, to hedge fund companies. I mean, you can do a lot by reforming the tax system to relieve the property tax burden, which I don't deny is squeezing a lot of communities. Um, but it's, it's the lack of courage in terms of having a fair tax structure and a fair way to raise revenue that's putting the pressure on the cities and towns to cut services. Yeah. And it's going I mean, to be worse they, based they, on whatever. You know, what made me laugh is not they're dealing with a bottle tax and a sugar tax and a, right. you know, yeah. a, a, a nickel and dime. They, they got a nickel and dime you to death. You're nickel okay, and dime people. That's exactly I, right. You know, and, 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 you know, I mean, how many, how many ounces yeah, what are they going to charge? Five, one cent or five cents an ounce or something extra for whatever well, sugar sweet? I also, I also yeah, crazy. you know, my we problem. Need, oh. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I, you use the right phrase, nickel and diming. Um, and you're nickel and diming like working class people, you know, who consume soda, sure. who consume sweets. You're a, a lot of poor people who, you know, um, yeah. you know, can't afford to go to Whole Foods and, um, you know, buy the latest, you know, new wave healthy food. So, you know, sales tax by nature is regressive. And, sure. you know, what we need is Connecticut is a progressive, fair tax structure. Um, you know, the day we were at the legislature for the hearing on a bill to close the hedge fund loophole, they were also having a debate about the um, soda and sweets tax. And I thought the contrast was really, I think I was probably the only one who thought that in the room, but what a contrast, you know, on the one hand, you got people pushing, you know, what amounts to nickel and diming working people with another tax sales tax. Um, uh, But at the same time, the legislators don't want to um, close the loophole that lets um, hedge fund managers, you know, multimillionaire and billionaire hedge fund managers pay an effective tax rate that's much lower than the rest of us. It's, it's kind of crazy. <clears throat> well, right now, because Governor Malloy is not uh, um, running for office, and, right. <clears throat> uh, and he hasn't <clears throat> any other office in Connecticut, uh, I appeal to him because he has doesn't seem to have local political aspirations to do the right thing by Connecticut people. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't owe any more to uh, the wealthy or to uh, right. companies that have supported him in the past and give him huge amounts of money. I appeal to him to do the right thing to the for the people. Yeah, but did he? Did That's he want what he needs to, to did do. He, did he sell out to the DNC? He got a little cushy job there now. Well, even so, that's federal, probably. Doesn't matter. Where is he going? You know? I don't know. Well, but there's also, you know, there's also a legislature. And, you know, I, they're a player, too. I don't want to put it all on the governor. Um, right. You know, right. legislators have to be responsible. <laughs> and, you know, it was really, it was kind of a, a, a sad but remarkable scene last week. Uh, 
when they, when the legislature, when the finance committee held the public hearing that included the hedge fund bill, uh, the president of our board of ed custodian uh, unit in Seymour, who was uh, really quite passionate about this issue, came and testified, and the Republicans were just beating him up. And he was cool as a cucumber. He he was fine, but it was really alarming to see legislators beating up. A, you know, he took off a, he took a half a vacation day, came on his own time to say it's not fair to tax middle class workers while you're leaving the rich and the um, powerful alone. And he got the snot, you know, they tried to kick the snot out of him, <clears throat> you know, in the testimony. And it just shows you that the legislature, legislators' priorities are askew. And um, so I don't want to, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm going to be as critical of the, the legislators as I am of the governor because uh, they're I supposedly part of the same thing. But I, I agree with like you, the governor set the some leadership, set that's the all, in the right, right. direction. He, and right. the other thing the that, that um, upsets me is the cost-cutting measures that they're taking with some of the agencies. Uh, they are suggesting closing uh, the office of the Department of Mental Health in Torrington. Um, and that's, that's a big mistake. I mean, you go You mean the, um, social ser- the social services office? Yeah. And yes, they want to yeah, close we represent- the- no, yeah, no. we represent the workers. Uh, we represent those workers, and it would be devastating to the Northwest community in Connecticut. Oh, it'd be horrible! I mean, it's the same. It's the same approach that was taken, you know, years ago by the government when they closed mental health, closed mental hospitals. They closed them. Said, mm-hmm. "Oh, we'll have community agencies pick up, you know, the people who are in such need." There was never any fund. They closed the hospitals and provided no funding for the agencies. I asked what was going to be in place for um, people if they closed the dep- that office of the Department of Mental Health, and they expect um, uh, other uh, private um, non-government agencies to pick up these people. Well, they're under no obligation to that. Right. What kind of support are they going to give these agencies? Yeah, I mean, it's an, and that bill comes up to vote on in July. Right. And what have they done to prepare for that? Probably nothing. Right. There's another thing, too, that, that, that he, I just heard today. Uh, and they were talking about um, cutting something like 9,500 people off the Husky program. And that, that most of that, most of the Husky program caters to a lot of children. What do you know about that no, one? Uh, Medicaid. So it's like, what? Yeah. What, what Larry, are you are you aware of that? Do you know exactly what the parameters? I know of that? there have been yeah there have been there have been I don't know if it's at that deep. Um, I've heard thousands of people could be affected. Um, um, again, what I do one one thing I do know is that the governor's budget calls for the Torrington Social Services office to be um, closed down, and if that happens. Uh, they they see about a thousand clients a month, and that's everything from uh, food stamps to uh, resume and job help and all kinds of other um, right. uh, other service adjunct services. And there's no public transportation to speak of out in, as you guys know, out in Northwest Connecticut. So if you close Torrington, you're just closing a lifeline um, for people. So oh, I don't, you know it. And again, why? Because we want to protect hedge fund managers and insurance CEOs. I mean, I, I just think it's unconscionable to even yeah. consider that. Yeah. 
Yeah, DDS will be cut, food stamps, um, Husky. So you're going to kick thousands of people off their health care. Um, but you know what? We can't ask the hedge fund managers and the insurance companies to um, oh, no. sacrifice. Oh. There was a study this group. I, I don't know how. Why is that? Oh, I don't understand why that is. <laughs> because the legislature, the legislature is bought and seems to be bought and paid for by big business interests, by court wealthy corporate special and special wealthy and corporate interests that, um, you know, dominate the legislature that make the campaign contributions and that have a disproportionate voice in uh, what goes on there. I I think it really unfortunately comes down to that because they're not too many of these legislators aren't advocating for the people. And like I said, when the hedge fund representatives testified, they were treated uh, like royalty, and when a custodian testified about the importance of taxing hedge fund managers, um, he got attacked. And what does that tell <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> well, the the other thing that I was concerned about is uh, the bill put forward to have um, people dispense their own drinks. Oh, yeah. Did you hear that one? No. Yeah, they're going to put the self-serve uh, counters in, in bars now, all right? So that's like people can serve themselves. I hadn't heard that. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that one. That came out in the news, uh, in the local news recently. Um, I think I'm mm-hmm. concerned about that for two reasons. That's scary. One, yeah. one, I don't think we should put in measures that put people out of work. There aren't that many jobs, and Correct. bartending is a good job. Not only that, but, and, but it's like you know, who's going to stop these guys from uh, yeah, from, from uh, drinking uh, you know twenty twenty five beers if they want? You know, it's just, you know, I just it's, don't. It's not attended. I just, I just think it's totally stupid. I mean, that that these places would allow that uh, to to be uh, unchecked. Well, it's cost you know? savings. Well, it's cost saving, but it gives them a lot more uh, secure. Uh, um, no, it's uh, it's but, but again, like, you know, we, like we're saying, it's just an owner, they're, they're you know, dancing around the they're dancing around the edges, you know, because they don't yeah. want to do what really needs to be done, and that's that's the bottom line. Yeah, yes. any anything they can nickel and dime you on, they're gonna do, and anything that would solve the problem, they'll forget about it, you know. How many how many jobs right now in the present budget look like would be cut for uh, for our well, union workers? Yeah, for for a public employees, the governor's budget it's like page twenty three of his proposed budget um, calls for an excess of four thousand layoffs. So oh my. we're looking it. If, if we don't come to a, a concession agreement and we at least are in discussions with the administration, seeing if we can find uh, a mutual path forward, if, if that doesn't happen, um, the governor has said there will be 4,000 layoffs and he could be announcing um, some of them as soon as uh, tomorrow or Friday. So, you know, we're going to have to see. Oh, my goodness. It seems like every budget that he puts forward is on the backs of uh, union workers. That's how they balance it. Well, that was I the mean, point of our Mark uh, Krawczyk, our, our Seymour Board of Ed custodian, is that why is everything always come out of the pockets of, of the workers, of the middle class? And why is it you know, you're never asking the wealthy and the corporations to make a sacrifice? Um, you know, GE scammed everybody last year by saying Connecticut was too high tax data at the end of 2015, and they, they left for Boston, which is actually Massachusetts, is a higher tax state. Um, well, it turns out that GE effectively paid zero taxes 
um, in Connecticut. Um, you know, Connecticut businesses and Connecticut's rich people are getting a great deal. That's why they like living here. But when it comes to time to share the burden, it's always the working class. And, you know, that just doesn't seem right. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. No, it isn't right. It's it's not fair. And first of all, I think we have to be very concerned about jobs. It's very important for people to have jobs. It's working people who do pay taxes. And laying off right. about 4,000 uh, union workers will mean – uh, it just it just isn't a wise thing to do. Yeah, and how I mean, well, really? the story, jobs there was a story in the, well, yeah, the, the Current um, and other publications had a story about three weeks ago um, that the Connecticut's uh, recovery has been slowed down by the fact that there were 2,000 government layoffs. So actually right. there has been more job growth in the private sector than the public sector public sector is not, as you know, um, personally, Lila, uh, as a paraprofessional, you know, public sector is not um, in the profit motive. The public sector provides services that people need. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, when you cut services and lay off people, you're shutting people off from vital services. Uh, you're also taking money out of the economy. You know, uh, you guys, um, uh, the people we represent, you know, we circulate money locally. You know, we buy goods and services locally. If we go to the gas station, the supermarket locally, you know, we're not looking yeah. to stash our money in Bermuda. Um, we're lucky if we can save up for a vacation to Bermuda, let alone set up a tax dodge right. there. So, you know, when you do that to people, you hurt the economy, and that's what the economic data shows is that um, Connecticut's lagging behind because there have been too many government layoffs. What do you think of the uh, – what, what, what do you think of Trump's uh, – you know, he said, oh, I made 600,000 jobs, and I took over, and it, the proof shows he, he, he made uh, all created. the com- – created, well, yeah, all the, con- all the country created last month was 98,000 jobs, all right? And and Trump uh, was responsible for 130,000 of those jobs, okay, and Ford. Right. Uh, I mean, well, you know, what are we dealing with here? What kind of craziness? I mean, it sounds like we're, I mean, we're creating no job growth at all now, you know, barely. Mm-hmm. I feel like but, I've traveled to Oz. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's a way to put it. Down the rabbit Have you right. seen a job growth at all in the, in this country, or are you the unions seen? No, it? and then, and actually, and again, part of the reason there is, you know, part of the reason the uh, national and state economy is lagging is because of this attack on public employees, public sector employees, who are the last, sort of like the last bastion of decent middle class work. So now well, that you're going after uh, that sector, yeah. yeah. This guy comes in and wants to cut twenty five percent of the EPA budget. Now that's a, that's immediately. Uh, I think that they, they were saying not not in all states, but in the federal government alone, uh, that was over thirty six hundred jobs immediately. Okay, you know, science right. jobs, stuff like that, that would be cut, and and even more. Yeah. I mean, all cutting, the, all the, cutting, all the funding. Yeah. EPA, uh, EPA, Department of Labor. Yeah, yeah. He's also, you know, it's no accident. He's cutting from agencies that protect the quality of life in this country. Um, oh. And that's really so. What's happening federally is just absolutely frightening. Sure. Yeah, I had uh, it's a it's it's a horror. So this I conversation mean, I, reminds I, me oh. of the uh, reminds me of the old joke. Other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> what's that? How 
was what? Other than the play, how, other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Yeah, you're yeah. right about that. Gee, well, it's it's just a very frightening what's happening all around. Um, what do you think? And of I feel that? you must feel like a voice crying in the wilderness, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you've been um, saying the same thing for years here in Connecticut, yeah. but it's it's like no one really listens. Well, and we you can't take it that, that down. You can't take it. But it's like you guys, you keep coming, you know, you're on the air, you're fighting, yeah. you're making your voice heard. And, you know, both of us, you guys are committed to the fight. I'm committed to the fight. And, you know, instead of, you know, you try not to dwell on, um, uh, on the negative and you just try to push forward with what uh, uh, you hope uh, will, will help people. And, you know, that's all you can do. Uh, you know, we, we, we hope uh, leadership <clears throat> from, from you guys, you know, but uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, when you, you, got, you guys got to be sick and tired of turning the cheek, though, aren't you? Oh yeah, huh? absolutely. But I think I think part I, of the problem, you know, one, one part of the problem is the media, and you know, the fake news and the media being scared. Like, I really think part of the revolution we need in the country is we need more people like you who are doing their own shows and who are telling the truth. Uh, we try. And I think well, like, man, we, I, I mean, think the labor movement you, the labor play. movement would be in better shape if we had more people like you instead of because the mainstream media, which they is They never co-op. report anything on the mainstream <laughs> no. that's positive right. about labor unions and what we're trying to fight for. Or labor, period. Or labor. Well, and that's my point. You know, we're in the same boat here. Like, people aren't listening to what the labor movement's saying and, you know, people – and not because it's your fault, but because, you know, we're so locked into this idea that we have to have mainstream media feeding us their corporate stuff. And um, yeah. oh, I think absolutely. that, you know, part of the reason oh. Trump won, right, was that he, he fooled a lot of people who took to Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, to, to the, his credit, right, his, his supporters' credit, they figured out a way to kind of circumvent um, the mainstream media. And I think, you know, we, we – you know, those of us on the other side who care about the future of this country need to do the same thing because, you know, we can't get our story told. Um, uh, I was just on the phone with a friend of mine when you called, and um, which is why I couldn't pick up. And, you know, he was listening. He was so frustrated because he was listening to public radio, Connecticut public radio, and listening to Colin McEnroe kick the you-know-what out of the unions, and he's supposedly like a liberal guy. And he was being, oh, yeah, so, right. you know, so... Yeah, no, He's a, he's, he's a, a corporate man. He's a whore, yeah. But, oh, no. so, you know, we were like, right. Go ahead. So that's the, that's the thing. We have. That's our problem. It's our shared problem that we just have to overcome. Yeah, it, it's, um, when you go in to um, go down to Hartford and you try to talk to people, do you, are you able to get anybody's ear? I mean, do, are they even willing to listen? There are legislators. There are um a lot of legislators who will listen, so I, I, I'd be, you know, doing them a disservice. They're just badly outnumbered, you know, by uh, people who are, you know, again, getting big contributions from business uh, corporations, from the rich. Um, you know, the system is just rigged, I think, and that's the, that's the problem. But there are there are a lot of good people trying to do the right thing in Hartford. Like I said, they're just, I think they're just badly outnumbered. And and we've we've been badly all numbered for many years then because we we just but seem to you guys, be on a you guys speak, path you guys headed speak, that way. Yeah. But and again, I, you know, 
Yeah, but you guys are speaking truth to power. We're trying to do the same thing, and hopefully just more of us get on the bandwagon because that's what we all have to do. What do you think about the possibility of, um, I mean, they're they're finally uh, looking into the possibility of doing something with the tolls. Does that look like it will be a positive thing? I mean, I know there are groups of people that are against it, but with digital technology, you can can do a lot with – the kind of right. tolls we that we have today. I mean, you can exempt uh, certain locals from from tolls, you know, and just have it be the people who are passing through the state. Is there any possibility that we might have the the uh, tolls like they do in Michigan? Yeah, I think I think the discussion has gotten more serious. And to me, I'm just you know, it's um, I'm just looking at it as a as a. I think if it brings in revenue and helps maintain the roads and bridges, and like you said, it it's not intrusive because you know we are all well those of us uh, you know are, are we're all the same age range, but you know people remember the terrible accidents at the tolls um, uh, oh, yeah. in the uh, late '80s when the truck driver fell asleep and then killed people at the toll booth near Greenwich. So, but that stuff you don't need the booths anymore, right? You can do it with overhead right. technology. So, uh, and um, I know yeah, certain exactly. people were worried about you know uh, local traffic and that kind of thing, but yeah, you can ex- you can exempt local people from those tolls. You know that's that, why they got easy passes now. That's what I'm they, talking you know, about. That that's just, but the thing is that. Uh, you know, most uh, you don't. I mean, you don't really hear t- about too many toll booth accidents any, in other states either. Um, no, nope. well, they don't about, have them very much anymore. Well, New York has. You know, New York definitely has, uh, uh, and Massachusetts. And no, they have a lot of easy passes. No, no, but I mean, you 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 have the easy pass, or or you have a toll booth as well. Yeah, but there's not as they're not as most trucks. I would say majority of the trucks have, pass, yeah. have easy passes, sure, sure, and those sure. were the ones that caused the majority of the accidents. Here, right. and in most states. Yeah, but they don't have that problem now. It's, they don't it's, seem it's to not, have you don't hear it's about not it that anymore. way anyway. Not in the toll booths, you know. So yeah. that's that's mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. good way to, to raise some money. I it's think. a revenue, and I, it's I a revenue idea. Yeah. Yeah. About a state bank, that would be so practical. Oh, a public bank, yeah. No. Yeah, but I, I'm afraid. I want you guys to keep, uh, you should keep pushing that idea. I think it's a great idea. We're going to be pushing it more this year. Uh, I, we only got a couple, I, I don't know what else to do, but um, I'm trying to get together with a bunch of people who kind of have the same um, uh, understanding, uh, to, you know, where the, about public banking and about uh, about the way things should be economically. And uh, we're not seeing that because most people don't understand it. And we've been trying to push it. I've had it on my side of articles, videos, you name it. It's, uh, it's just it. a and very practical approach and, w- and, and would uh, save the state so much money. But, of course, the banking industry in this state is very powerful, and the insurance yeah, companies. Yeah. And yep, exactly. uh, they give an enormous amount of money to some of those legislators, I guess. But, I mean, if, we could, if, you, could hard, if you could harness that and you could have a state bank, Okay, where all the money from the state goes into that bank, all right, and you don't have to have a bank, the other bank. You don't right? have to borrow money. You don't have to borrow the money. It's all money that uh, that that you, as a public bank, can create. You know, you'd never be in debt. You know what I mean? You can create as much money as you want. This is what the banks do without any. They do it. They create it out of air. You know, 
and then they and then they charge the state for their for our own money. I mean, it's a real sick way of doing things, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. that's the Federal Reserve law is all set up that way. You so, know, we uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't have a federal debt either. Yeah. You no, know, if uh, well, yeah. what see, it's such a simple you know, North Dakota, idea. Yeah, there's resistance. The only one that's had it since the 30s, and they're the only ones with full employment. <laughs> they're the only ones well, that have no they deficit. They still do. North Dakota is, well, they is a public bank. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you don't hear about it too much because. Uh, well, they don't want to promote that. They don't want to promote it. You know. You know so, right. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, All that right. would be a good call. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, well, I got to take off, guys. Tonight. I know you had a hell of a hell of a hell of a. Couple yeah, yeah, years. and I apologize for being a little bit late, but uh, it was great to talk to you. How you do, Larry? And uh, now anything we'll we do can do for you, let us know. Like, uh, Thank uh, you very much. Appreciate it. All right, guys. So good night, Larry. Thanks. Have, Have a good, good night, Lila, Leah. Yep. Yeah. Right. yeah. Good night. That was Larry Dorman uh, talking to us uh, from about from his position as public affairs coordinator of AFSME. Council Four out of New Britain, Connecticut, and he's often at the at the State House trying to. He's a watchdog week, yeah. for for us yep. and for working people and middle class people. Yep, sure and it's is. been an uphill battle in Connecticut, I'll tell you. It's been very difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, not to change the subject, but I'm going to uh, a little bit because there's so many weird things that came up today, and I wanted to talk about. It. Um, you know, one of the weirdest things that I got today, and I, it, it was by a, a group, a health group, and it's about um, uh, if you have uh, if you have one of these things, get rid of it right away. It's one of those loofahs, loofah, okay? Yeah. It's a nylon. Yeah, the loofah, or, or even the or even the other one that uh, the 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 wooden one they give. You know, remember the. Oh, I don't know. Those those kind they used to make. Yeah, they used to be that. They used to, yeah, big roofers. They used to be okay, let's body go into scrubbers. They used to be made out of hemp or something. I don't know. But yeah, made in India or Asia. Okay. So scientists are urging anyone who uses a loofah to throw it out or prepare for the worst. <laughs> yeah. Those are those plastic sponges, you know, that uh, squeegees. Made for the squeegees, shower. Yeah. Who doesn't like a good scrub? Well, nothing feels better than using one of those shower puffs to exfoliate your skin. Well, not only does it allow you to lather and scrub, but it leaves your skin feeling as smooth as a baby's bottom. And the colorful puffs come in a variety of colors, some even with personalized designs. The convenient puffs hang easily on your water faucet, making it easy to grab, scrub, and erase those dead skin cells that cause dry, irritable skin. And... Added bonus is the fact that they boost circulation, so scrub away at the skin on your face to reveal a healthy glow. Sounds like shower puffs are the way to go when it comes to maintaining healthy, glowing skin, right? Well, According to dermatologists, this couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, 98% of them advise us to toss the shower puffs in the trash immediately. J. Matthew Knight from the Knight Dermatology. Thomas Dermatology Institute, excuse me, is one dermatologist who is urging us to toss the puffs, and he is explaining why. 
According to Knight, apparently after use of puff to exfoliate your skin, those dead skin cells get trapped in the multiple layers of the puff's material. And here's the final straw. When you leave that puff in the shower after you do your business, your business all the moisture that remains in the aftermath of the warm water causes bacteria to fester within the puffy layers, which then leads to the growth of yeast and mold. Yuck. And the massive breeding ground grows with just a, within just a matter of hours. Doesn't, that, doesn't it sound like something you want to rub all over your body? <laughs> and on top of all this, the use of one of those colorful puffs after you shave has the potential of causing infections. The bacteria could get right into the nicks and lead to some bad-looking and feeling skin. Still not convinced to throw that puff in the trash? Well, then scientists urge you to rinse the puff excessively to ensure all the dead skin is removed and then take it away from the shower for a good drying session and always be sure to replace the puff with a new one every couple of months. But keep your sniffer going. And if you get some whiffs of a bad scent, toss the puff right away. It's not worth the risk. Right. So, now you may be asking the question, well, what should I exfoliate with now? Well, simple solution. There are a variety of scrubbers out there that have positive benefits and will keep you free of infection. Try a loofah. I thought that was us. Oh, the, I thought they said to get rid of your loofah. All right. This handy little tool may still be able to hang from the faucet, but it is free from all those bacteria-trapping layers, uh, so you won't uh, be at risk for infections. Hmm. Okay. Or uh, there are always those colorful scrubbing gloves. You simply slide them on your hands, place a dollop of soap in your palm, and scrub away. This allows you to get in those... I don't know. I've, have, you, have you ever seen a, no. uh, one of those? No. Yeah. This allows you to get in those more hard-to-get places. Yeah, yeah, I use a soap wash or never heard wa of it. a washcloth, but I, I never heard of, a, of a, one of those. Interesting. But anyway, don't do that stuff, okay? Huh. That's a new warning about loofahs and bath scrubs. Now, this article just said use a loofah. Not the plastic puffy ones. Yeah, not the I plastic guess puffy ones. Maybe loofer is a general term for I guess so. those things. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. I always by thought American they were, web media. I yeah. always thought they were hard to clean myself and didn't really like yeah, them. Yeah, well, whatever they are. Don't use them anymore. Uh, hey, anybody wonder why we're still in Afghanistan? Huh? For the minerals. Well, in Afghanistan, it sits on $1 trillion in minerals. Imagine that. A trillion, not a billion, not a million, but a trillion. And despite being one of the poorest nations in the world, Afghanistan may be sitting on one of the richest troves of minerals in the world, valued at nearly $1 trillion, scientists say. In Afghanistan, a country nearly the size of Texas, is loaded with mineral deposits by the violent collision of the Indian subcontinent with Asia. The U.S. Geological Survey began inspecting what mineral resources Afghanistan had after the U.S.-led forces drove the Taliban from power in the country in 2004. 
In 2006, U.S. researchers flew airborne missions to conduct magnetic gravity and hyperspectral surveys over Afghanistan. The aerial surveys determined that Afghanistan may hold 60 million tons of copper, 2.2 billion tons of iron ore, 1.4 million tons of rare earth elements such as lanthanium, cerium, and neodymium, and loads of aluminum, gold, silver, zinc, mercury, and lithium. For instance, um, the Kanishin carbonate deposit in Afghanistan's Helmand province is valued at $89 billion, full as it is with rare earth elements. When we take all that out, what happens to Afghanistan? Does it fold up and just go into the earth and become a hole? Yeah, they get on the left. Just like uh, once we dig up, once they sell all the oil in Saudi Arabia, it's going to be a, a big dust storm. Okay, Afghanistan is a country that's very, very rich in mineral resources. Uh, geologist Jack Medlin, program manager, Afghanistan Project to Life Science, but the scientists' work was derailed or detailed rather in August 15th issue of Journal Science. Uh, in 2010. Uh, the Afghan government has already signed a 30-year, $3 billion contract with China uh, Metella Group. That's nothing. 30-year, $3 billion? Price is nothing. 30-year, $30 billion, maybe. A state-owned mining enterprise based in Beijing to exploit the mezzanic copper deposit and award mining rights for the country's biggest iron deposit to a group of Indian state-run and private companies. Oh, they just gave that damn stuff away. So we did all the exploration. We found did all, that stuff. We, yeah, and then and then they're selling then it for nothing. Then we didn't do anything about it. To foreign countries, to the Indian countries, not even to the United States. And this is or, ridiculous. I don't know. This is the kind of stuff that got Trump elected. You know, and these 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 uh, these crazy ass deals. Uh, but anyway. Uh, here's an, uh, here's, this is an interesting item that um, came in today. Uh, Dennis actually sent it to, to us, uh, and I wanted to read it tonight. This is uh, Google, about Google uh, Chrome. They're phishing te- uh, hacks, hacking Google Chrome, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, and how they how they fish uh, through your email and stuff like that. Looking to see what you have? That's right. Well, no, uh, no, trying to get you to... Uh, Oh, to get you to respond. To respond, right, and get your your stuff. Now, let's see, I'm gonna let's see if this thing will go on here. It's a good little one and a half minute video if I can get it to run. Well, tech specs, phishing. Phishing is a tactic employed by hackers, uh, whereby they send you a spoof email message. They try to pretend to be somebody else. And in so doing, they try to trick you into giving up your credentials or your password or your login information or your banking information. And then they steal that and can use that to do whatever they want, steal your identity or pretend to be online. A lot of people know about phishing through the 90s scam, which involved Nigerian princes saying, oh, I need you to move some money around for me. Could you just wire me $5,000 and then... Uh, I'll give you all of my riches and my inheritance. These are the unsophisticated kinds of phishing attacks, but there are also really sophisticated kinds called spear phishing. Now, this is hyper-targeted. They will send you an email that is personalized to you. 
depending on how good your adversary is, they can copy your banking website, pretend to be them, and if they're very well camouflaged, it can be almost impossible for you to know. A hacker could send you a phishing email that has a malicious attachment, so it'll look like a Word document, but actually <laughs> it's a virus, and it'll log your keystrokes, or it'll spy on your machine, and people think that the U.S. government was hacked by spear phishing. You have somebody at the State Department who clicks on an email that they shouldn't have, and then voila, you've got the Russians inside of your federal government. That's interesting, huh, folks? Well, that, that's why I... Uh, Every company has its genius. But that, that's why uh, I think it's critical for people to know that, uh, you know, anything that looks fishy, you know, it, it probably is fishy mm-hmm. and uh, can mess, mess you up, all right? So don't, don't open any weird emails, all right? So let's see. The biggest five oil companies made $135 billion in profit last year. That would be Chevron, British Petroleum, Conoco, Shell, and ExxonMobil. Why in the world are we giving them at least $10 billion in subsidies when we are closing public schools? Does that make any sense to you? No. No? Not to me. I don't think so either. Um... Army Corps of Engineers confirmed Native protesters were right all along. There was never an, any agreement, any written easement for illegal uh, DAPL pipeline. Sure. So they just went in there and just did it. There was well, no, let's read that. There was no agreement. Um In the wake of hundreds of people protesting a couple of weeks ago, Energy Transfer Partners, the company attempting to construct the Dakota Access Pipeline, voluntarily stopped work at the building site just north of Standing Rock Sioux Reservation. The number of protesters is now over 4,000, as many tribes have united to protect the land and water from contamination. Army Corps of Engineers has confirmed that the company doesn't have a written easement from the agency to build on corporate uh, corpse property. A a corpse, C-O-R-P-S, spokesman, uh, says the energy transfer uh, has filed the paperwork for the easement, but it's still under review. And... uh, Is this a current article? Yeah. Oh, no, this is January. Yeah, so that's all. That's all. So that's dated. They they already have the permission. That's why they started the uh, pipeline. So that's that's a moot point. No, they, no, uh, what's his name gave him uh, that permission? Uh, Trump? Trump, yeah. They're saying there never was an easement, and the easement doesn't matter. But that was in January. Right before he signed it. So anyway, that's that's what that is. That's sad. Um, let me just go back 
cannabis oil uh, used to heal cancer, uh, recommended by a... There have been many stories about that. Yeah. And this is about free garden planner. You can get that. If you're into gardening and uh, local gardening, that's important. There are many, many, many uh, cities and towns have uh, community gardens if you don't have space at your own place or you're in an apartment. So there's oh. many things that you can do. I know this is. This is a whole thing, you know, that you can download. Yeah, we'll do that later. So and you find out how to do all these wonderful things. How to plant potatoes, how to do free online, garden layouts, so on and so on. Not this off Facebook gardening enthusiast. You can go to that's the name free dot gardening enthusiast dot com. Check out that website and you can get a, It's you can free. Get, get gardening it's under gardening enthusiast dot com. Yeah. Trump flips on five core campaign promises in under 24 hours. Alex Jones, Infowars. There's a war on for your mind. So what yeah, does he well, have to yeah, say? Yeah, he's, he's in big, big trouble too. Alex Poor Jones. Alex, what happened is he, his wife is suing him for. Uh, he's trying to get uh, joint custody of the kids. And she and his divorce, and she's telling, and she's uh, saying that uh, he's. All kinds of shit to saying that he is just an act and he's not real. You know, he's you know. In the span of just a few hours, President Trump flipped to new positions on several core policy issues, backing off on no less than five repeated campaign promises. In a Wall Street Journal interview, in a subsequent press conference. Trump either shifted or completely reversed positions on a number of foreign and economic policy decisions, including the fate of the U.S. dollar, how to handle China, and the future of the chair of the Federal Reserve. Goodbye strong dollar and high and high interest rates. In an announcement that rocked currency markets, Trump told the Wall Street Journal that the U.S. dollar is getting too strong and he would prefer the Federal Reserve keep interest rates low. I do not like blue interest. I do like a low interest rate policy. I must be honest with you, Mr. Trump said. I think our dollar is getting too strong, and partially that's my fault because people have confidence in me. But that's hurting, and that will ultimate and that will hurt ultimately. He added, "Look, there's some very good things about a strong dollar, but usually speaking, the best things about it is that it sounds good." Trump then said the one thing that every other currency manipulator realizes all too well. It's very, very hard to compete when you have a strong dollar and other countries are devaluating their currency. During his campaign, Trump had repeatedly said that a strong dollar policy would be beneficial for the U.S. economy, despite our repeated warnings that he will inevitably reverse on this, especially if and when the Goldman Circle of advisors starts providing macroeconomic advice. It is unclear if the shift in Trump's policy will mean the U.S. economic data will now mysteriously begin to deteriorate to justify not only his request for a week of dollar, but to also hit the brakes on Yellen's plans for further rate hikes over the next two to three years. In any case, the debate over the Fed's balance sheet unwind and the trajectory of the Fed hikes is now on a indefinite hiatus. The biggest loser here, again, are the American savers 
who may have been hoping that their bank deposits will finally earn some interest. And for the most notable outcome from this Trump statement is that it counts his desire for a weaker dollar with the Fed's tightening uh, bias. Will, fi will fireworks fly as Trump realizes that Yellen's actions are prompting the strong dollar? Stay tuned in for what may be the most entertaining clash yet, Trump versus Yellen. Labeling China a currency manipulator, Trump also told the Wall Street Journal that China is not artificially deflating the value of its currency, a big change after he repeatedly pledged during his campaign to label the country a currency manipulator. They're not currency manipulators, the president said, adding that China hasn't been manipulating its currency for months and that he feared derailing the U.S.-China talks to crack down on North Korea. Trump routinely criticized President Obama for not labeling China a currency manipulator and promised during the campaign to do so on day one of his administration. Trump's declaration also means that Peter Navarro may as well pack his bags as the Goldman Sachs Goldman Economic Advisory uh, Team has now won its contest with the Bannon Nationalist Circle, Yellen's future. Trump also told the journal he's considering renominated Yellen to chair the Federal Board of Governors after attacking her during his campaign. I like her, I respect it, Trump said. It's very early. Trump called Yellen obviously political in September and accused her of keeping interest rates low to boost the stock market and make Obama look good. As soon as rates go up, your stock market is going to go way down, most likely, Trump said, or possibly. Export-Import Bank. Trump also voiced support behind the Export-Import Bank, which helped subsidize some U.S. exports after opposing it during the campaign. It turns out that, the, first of all, lots of small companies that really help the vendors companies the vendor companies, Trump told the journal. Instinctively, you would say, isn't that a ridiculous thing? But actually, it's a very good thing, and it actually makes money. It could make a lot of money. Trump's support will anger conservative opponents of the bank who say it enables crony capitalism. NATO. Finally, Trump said NATO is no, long, is no longer obsolete during a Wednesday press, press conference with NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg backtracking on his past criticism of the alliance. During the campaign, he frequently called the organization obsolete, saying, uh, obsolete, saying did little to crack down on terrorism, that is, other members don't pay their fair share. I said it was obsolete. It is no longer obsolete, the president said Wednesday. Trump has gradually become more supportive of NATO after it ramped up its efforts to increase U.S. and European intelligence sharing Regarding terrorism, Trump still insisted that NATO allies meet their financial obligations and pay what they owe. He said he discussed this with Stoltenberg and his desire that allies put 2% of their gross domestic products into defense by 2024. And to this, add to this Trump's first most prominent reversal, the launch of strikes on Syria last Friday after repeatedly bashing Obama for even considering that. And Trump's transformation into a mainstream politician now appears complete. Yeah. Means he stands for nothing. Yep. But the globalist way. I do not like this guy. Yep. 
Tumbleweed Express drives through. Uh, drive through is located in a converted car wash uh, facility in the town of Parachute, Colorado. Um, I don't know what, why this. I don't see where this says anything about the alcohol. Huh, it doesn't. Drive up thing. Yeah. Well, anyway, it is our time to leave. And uh, well, thank you for being with us, folks. I hope you have a nice weekend. And talk to you again next week. Good night, folks. Okay. So watch this, Lila. See that? Over 30 million viewers didn't see this. And this woman didn't see the basketball coming at her in the stadium and hit her right between the eyeballs. Poor woman. Very I think she missed that. Just a minute. She was, being, she was watching her daughter's cell phone. Smacked her in the head. All wow. right. So, anyway, I feel bad. But, okay, just don't mess around. You know, pay attention and get off those uh, cell phones. So, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Thank Larry, by the way. I want to thank Larry for joining us from the Aspen Union. Check out council4.org and check out his stuff. He's a good writer and keeps everybody updated. So, good night, everyone.